This is the Kingdom at Hand podcast, and I am Pastor Joe Faldet. All of our sermons are archived on our website, www.hosannafreelutheran.com. We also have started a YouTube channel, and that is Hosanna Free Lutheran. And you can check out the videos there. You can also come visit us in person. We have Sunday school at 9 a.m. and worship at 10 a.m. Sunday mornings during the school year. We also have worship at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings during the summertime. May God bless you through this. Ephesians 6, verse 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Let us pray. Father, as we come to study your word, we ask that you would bless us, Lord, that you would guide us into your truth, Lord, for your word is truth. Lord, we ask that you'd open our minds and our hearts to understand and apply these things. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So we've, we've finished up the armor. You know, it only took us two weeks to get through six pieces of armor, which is pretty good. You know, because there's a lot of stuff to talk about when it comes to the armor of God. And when, it's, when it speaks about the wholeness of Christianity and how all of these aspects of Christianity play in. And we need to be wearing the armor of God. We need to be walking in righteousness. We need to be thinking about this world and our interactions with this world in light of the fact that we are saved. We need to, be, have, we need to have our feet shod with the shoes that are, how does that go again? Now I'm forgetting the name of it. Paul should have just called it Nike. Um, <laughs> having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. You know, that we would be anxious to have this shared and to have reconciliation with ourselves and God and ourselves and others. You know, to be living in that reconciliation that comes from the gospel. You know, we need to be, have the belt of truth around our waist so that our armor can stay on. Because when we live in lies, what happens? It all falls apart. We talked about this again in our Sunday school. How lies, any lie anywhere along the line undercuts the truth that you're going to give from then on. And so if that truth is undercut, when the lie is found out, people disbelieve even the truths. And so it's so important that we walk in the truth in absolutely every way that we can. Or, you know, to quote Jordan Peterson, or at least don't lie. You know, you can always admit later that you were wrong. But it's another thing then to say, you know, to intentionally lie. Shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And as you're doing that, Paul starts out in verse 18 with, it's translated into a gerund in the English. Any of you English grammar buffs here? No, I'm, I'm not either. Um, my Greek grammar, actually the only reason that I know anything about English grammar is because I studied Greek. Um, my Greek grammar taught me English grammar. So if any of you want to become better at English grammar, I can help teach you Greek. <laughs> so Paul starts out with what's called a present participle in the Greek. And this president, this praying is a present participle. And a present participle is a verbal adjective. Right? Easy peasy. <laughs> what's a verbal adjective? 
It's an adjective, or it's a word that's describing how a verb is being, is functioning, is being used. And so when Paul is giving us a participle here, that means that that is modifying a verb somewhere along the line. So then we look at the book of Ephesians, and we ask, okay, what's the verb? What's going on here? Verse 14, Paul says, Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Those havings are also participles. And so those are modifying stand. So as we stand, how do we stand? Having put on the armor of God. So that's something you can't stand if you don't have this on. Period. This has to already be on. So when you're, in, when you're under attack, that's not the time to put this on. The time to put on your armor isn't when the enemy's in front of you. The time to put on the armor is before you interact with the enemy. And so this is something that should have been done before. You say, it's not on right now. Well, now it's time to put it on. Wear the armor of God. We do that now because we know the attack is coming. If you're under attack right now, we'll pray for you. You know, because that's this next part. Praying. And so how do we stand? Praying. And that's a present participle. And that's really important because in the Greek, the reason that Paul would use a present participle, it emphasizes to a dramatic extent one thing, the continual action of this thing. So a literal translation is always being praying. This is how you are to interact with this world. You are to interact with this world always praying. That is supposed to mark Christians. This is how we stand, always praying. While you're standing, you're always praying. If you're not praying, you've got a problem. Because like I talked to the kids about, what good is armor on a mannequin? Worthless. Enemy comes by, pushes on it, boom, done. What good is armor on a dead body? Gets stripped off. What does prayer do? Prayer is the thing that enlivens us. It's the thing, it's the hand in the glove. So what good is a glove if your hand isn't in it? You know, A, if your hand doesn't have the glove on it, it's going to get hurt. If your hand's not in the glove, it's only good for, what, announcing a duel? Slapping someone? Yeah, people don't do that anymore. Um, but otherwise, it's purposeless. It, ha- it serves no purpose. The armor without a living body serves no purpose. And so... As Christians, all of my righteousness, all of my thinking, all of my holding up the shield of faith and using the sword of the Spirit and seeking reconciliation as the gospel teaches me with God and with people, all of that stuff, if I'm not in a relationship with God, if I'm not in communion with God, I am sunk. Period. End of story. I'm sunk. I am a dead body in armor. If I don't have that relationship with God, it doesn't do me any good. And this is the heart of this. The heart of this, yeah, it is. Because we can't, how do we avoid being legalists? Walking with God. But does that mean if I walk with God, I can live however I want, I can do whatever I want because I pray about these things? No, because you need the armor. And it's interesting then. Um, 
I've, I've interacted with lots of people throughout my time as pastor. Uh, and actually, even before I became a pastor, I interacted with a lot of people that have been doing some really incredibly foolish things. And they've justified it by saying, well, I prayed about it. They're like, ah, that doesn't excuse sinful action. Well, I feel peace about it. Where does Paul or Jesus or God say or Moses or any of these guys, and like, where does Scripture say, you know, you're welcome to sin as long as you don't feel bad about doing it? Nowhere. I feel peace about it. Okay, then you can go and do whatever you want. No. So if I'm praying about something, but I don't have the armor of God on me, can I trust that what comes out of that prayer is going to be good? No, because that armor actually protects my prayer life too. Because do you think that Satan doesn't have the ability to hear our prayers? Do you think that Satan doesn't have the ability to manipulate ends? I was talking to a girl um, when I was in college, and she was involved in health and wealth, a health and wealth gospel. I don't remember the name of the, her church specifically. There was a number of people that I interacted with at that time. It's funny, they all came at once, and so I learned a lot in a very short period of time. Um, but I was interacting with her, and she said, but someone came up in our church, and, and they gave testimony. They said, God, I want a blue Camaro, and I want it to have this many miles. And so it was really specific prayer. God, I want to have a blue Camaro, and I want it to have this many miles. I don't remember uh, what year it was or any. I don't remember many of those things. I remember it was a blue Camaro. That stuck in my mind. And she said, and they got up front, and they said that they claimed it. They gave money to the church as seed offering, and then they claimed the promise of God that what we're going to pray for is going to happen. And lo and behold, God sent a blue Camaro. And she said, isn't that evidence that we can claim whatever we want, and as long as we have given seed money to the church, God will give it? And I'm sitting there listening to her thinking, where does that come from? Show me chapter and verse, sister. Really, where does this come from? Their prayers weren't protected by the power of God. And so Satan used that, and he was leading a lot of people astray. That church was becoming rich, by the way, because people were giving lots of seed money, thinking that if they gave a little bit, they would get a lot. And so Satan was, Satan was working... And there were people being led astray by that. And there were people becoming disillusioned with Christianity because of that. Because they looked at this and they said, well, this is Christianity. This is crazy stuff. I'm involved in a cult. I don't want anything to do with Christianity. And so I'm, I'm observing all of these things because I'm interacting with all of these people. And it's like, what's going on? This is what's going on. They are praying, but they're not living in righteousness. They are praying, but they're not using the sword of the Spirit. And so because they're not living in righteousness, they're thinking that God cares about a blue Camaro. They think that that's evidence. Now that God loves them is because, and that there's a lot of psychology in that too. They thought that if God answered their prayers, that meant that they were living properly with God. So then this blue Camaro is evidence that this person was a holy person. And that God was actually happy with them because God gave them this blue Camaro. And so then they were taking pride in their righteousness. 
So they weren't living in righteousness. They weren't using the sword of the Spirit. They weren't using the shield of faith. They weren't giving Jesus credit. It was all about their prayers. Their prayers were answered, but being not protected, they didn't lead them in righteousness. They didn't lead them into a deeper relationship with God. Does that make sense? This is real. Like, I know these people. I haven't actually interacted with them for years now. But I knew these people. And so when Paul says praying, why does he say that we need to be praying constantly? Putting on the armor of God. In order to stand, we need to put on the armor of God and we need to be in prayer. What if I'm just praying? Boy, Satan can still lead you astray in your prayers. He can bring you peace. I know all sorts of ridiculous things that people have done because they've had peace. You know, they've sworn at people. They've broken relationships. They've divorced people that have done, you know, there's been divorces. There's been lying. There's been cheating. There's been stealing. All because people have had peace. I know couples that have engaged in premarital relationships because they had prayed about it. Really? Where's the shield of faith? Where's the breastplate of righteousness? In their prayers, they didn't have the armor of God. And so their prayers were exposed. But if I have all the armor of God, I also know people that they do, they do all the right things. They live in righteousness. You know, they, they work really hard to make sure that their brains are thinking the right things and that their mouths are speaking the right things. But they don't have a relationship with God. And you know, that's not good either. Legalism doesn't protect us. That's the lesson that the Jews give us in the New Testament and in the Old Testament for that matter. Following the law isn't protection against Satan. You need both. You need the hand in the glove. You need the body in the armor. And so that's why we're constantly being called to be praying. But how are we to be praying? Does, does that make sense? I hope, like, I haven't thought about some of these things in years. You know, this health and wealth gospel stuff. But what was going on? They weren't protected. They didn't have the armor. They weren't living for God. In the Spirit. Praying at all times in the Spirit. This is how we are to be praying. And that's what the preposition does. The preposition limits this. How do, that's the word in is a preposition. Sorry, I don't mean to get so grammar-ish. Um, but it's important. The prepositions are limiters. And so when Paul says in the Spirit, he is limiting our prayer life, or he's directing it for that matter, because when he's to limit is something, is also to direct it. So when Paul says in the spirit, what does he mean? I can come up with three um, legitimate interpretations of in the spirit. There are others, um, and there's probably ones that I've missed. And so if I've missed one, I apologize. Just raise your hand and correct me. Really, I mean that. Um, one is location. Where did the Jews? And where did the Greeks pray? They prayed in temples, right? The Jews, they prayed in the temple. Solomon talked about how if any Jew would, was in this temple, that God would hear him. If they faced this temple, that God would hear him. And so the temple in the Jewish mindset was a focus point of prayer. 
And also in the Greek mindset, because in a lot of Greek mythology, people aren't, people's prayers aren't heard until they're in the temple. Now, there's some where their prayers are heard when they're not in the temple, but that's, those are anomalies. Most of the time, if you were a Greek, and Ephesus is Jew and Greek, if you were a Greek and you wanted to be heard by a god, you went to a temple. You want Dionysus to hear you, you go to her temple. You want Venus to hear you. Venus, that's Latin. Sorry, that's Rome. Um, you want Aphrodite. There we go. Thank you. To hear you, you go to her temple. You want Zeus to hear you? Go to his temple. And so it's all about the location. When Paul says pray in the Spirit, he's telling us pray always wherever you are. Wherever you are, that's a good place to pray. You want to pray when you're in a tractor? That's a good place to pray. You want to pray when you're in church? That's a good place to pray. It doesn't matter. Your location doesn't matter for your prayers. And we as Christians kind of take this for granted, don't we? Because I don't know about you, but I, I pray in the car all the time. I was laying in bed this morning and I was praying. I, you know, all sorts of things. I spent about an hour in prayer this morning before I got up. Just because God decided to wake me up at 5 o'clock for some reason. Um, so I took an hour in prayer. I can pray anywhere. It doesn't matter. We take that for granted. But for a lot of people in this world, your location and your physical position matter an incredible amount. For Muslims, you pray facing east. Because that's, well, you pray facing Mecca. From here, that's east. But uh, why? Because that's what Allah has commanded. You know, how many pagan rituals need to take place in temples? Otherwise, they're not acceptable. I can worship God wherever I go. Praying at all times in the Spirit. Wherever the Spirit is, that's a good place to pray. So the Holy Spirit's on you right now. This is a good place to pray. It's also an interior thing. And I've, I, I should have actually put emotional there instead of internal. I was really struggling with how to properly describe that. But as we pray in the Spirit, we pray with our emotions engaged, with the whole of ourselves engaged in it. It's not just a rational thing. And so like internal, prayer needs... Prayer is called to be rational, right? We're called to be rational in prayer. There is praying in tongues. I'm not, I'm not necessarily talking about that. I don't pray in tongues. I've talked to people who do. Um, there seems to be a little bit of a debate as to whether people understand what they're praying for when they're praying in tongues. Some understand what they're praying for when they pray in tongues. Some don't. So I, I don't know exactly what to do with that. Uh, so we'll leave that aside. But in our prayer life, we are to be rational. We are to verbalize these things. We are to think them through. We are to put them into words. But it's not just reading off this laundry list or this you know, grocery list of prayer requests. Okay, God, I want this, I want this, I want this, and I want a blue Camaro. And I would like that, by the way, God. Um, <laughs> probably sell it and buy a van right now. Uh, you know, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. Okay, prayer time's done. I'm going to go off into... For the rest of my life. No. If we're praying in the Spirit, this means that our emotions are engaged. This means that we're involved in our prayers. This means that we're letting God into the whole of our life. That it's not just our mind, but it's in our spirit. Because our spirit is the thing that guides our emotional interactions with things. And so when I'm praying, if there's something I really want, I should let that flow through into my prayers. 
God doesn't call me to be the stoic Norwegian when I'm praying. It happens sometimes because that's who I am. And sometimes I do pray that way. But if there's something that moves me, let that move me. Let the Spirit move and pray with your emotions too. This is supposed to be the whole of you. And so when we're praying in the Spirit, we are to let the whole of us pray. It's not just the recitation. It's all of me enters into this. And then finally, the third part is we listen. Because oftentimes, at least in the monastic tradition, when they talk about praying in the Spirit, they talk about listening to God speaking back in your prayers. That it's not just me speaking forth, but it's God speaking back to me. And he does that in various ways. Oftentimes when I'm praying, he's going to speak to me through Scripture. I was meeting with someone uh, last week, and I was praying, okay, God, how would you have, what do you want me to do? And how, what, what are we meeting for? I don't know why we're meeting. I just knew I was supposed to. And I, this happens actually fairly often. I know I'm supposed to call someone. So I give them a call. We set up a meeting and we get together. And then I pray, what are we meeting about God? And this last one, it was James that came to mind. Be swift to listen, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness that God requires. Oh, I'm supposed to listen. And I've actually met with three or four people recently where that verse has been the verse to come to mind. What am I supposed to say, God? You're supposed to listen. Shut it. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, that's the fall that paraphrase. Listen. Shut it. Swift to listen. Slow to speak. You know what? That served very well. So how did God answer in my prayer? He brought scripture forth. Can God do other things? Absolutely. One of the questions I was praying to God about, God, what, how would you have us expand the outreach of this church? And then someone came up to me and said, we should do a YouTube. Oh, okay. I guess there's an answer. Why did that come at that moment? I was praying about that, and then this person came and spoke to me. Why are we on YouTube right now? Because God answered. So what does it mean to pray in the Spirit? It means that we listen back from God. What's God having to say to us? How is God speaking to me? What does God have me, what is God saying about this? And instead of me just talking like I do normally, I'm actually supposed to be silent before God. Because believe it or not, sometimes I prayed, God, what would you have me pray about? And that James verse has come to mind. <laughs> oh, I got to be listening to God too. So what does it mean to pray in the Spirit? I don't know if Paul meant all of these, but these are most legitimate ways that I've heard these interpreted. I'm to be praying wherever I go. I'm to be praying with all of myself. I'm to be putting everything I have into my prayer life. And as I pray, I'm to be listening. That the Spirit would speak to me. That makes sense? So when Paul says, be praying all the time. Praying in the Spirit. This is how we pray in the Spirit. Thirdly, prayers and supplications. So as, as, what does that mean? Ephesians 6. So, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. And I apologize, we're not even getting through a full verse today. With all prayers and supplications. What's Paul talking about here? Well, 
what sort of prayers can we pray? How do we think about prayer? And as, as I was contemplating this, the, in, the immediate context made sense. We pray through the armor. How do we use the armor? Okay, God, and oftentimes that's one of the things that I say to God. Okay, God. Um, I do that to Kirsten too. Okay, Kirsten, or the kids. Okay, kids, what are we going to do? Uh, okay, God, this is the situation. How do I use your armor? Okay, God, this is the situation. How do I use the sword of the Spirit here? How do I use the shield of faith in this? How do I use the hel- How do I approach this through the helmet of, the, of salvation? And as, as I'm interacting with these situations, because we all interact with situations, don't we? We all have things going on in our lives. Okay, God, how, how do I utilize all of your armor involved in this situation? And I found that as I've been thinking about the world in terms of armor, it has guided my prayer life. And so when Paul says, with all prayers and supplications, he's actually encouraging us, use guides in your prayer life. And so does this mean, well, you know, I've, I learned the Lord's Prayer when I was a kid, but that doesn't mean that we pray it, right? That was, it was just a model. Well, no, we pray through this. For about two months, um, oh, I suppose it was about four years ago, for about two months straight, every day, I meditatively went through the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, what does that mean? What am I praying? What am I asking God? Who art in heaven, what does that mean? What am I talking to God about? And then as, you know, our Father who art in heaven, all right, God, you who are in heaven, you who see all things, you who know all things, you who are God over all. And I would pray through that, and I would pray through that meditatively. And I tell you what, after two months, I got to know the Lord's Prayer pretty well. Um, I quit doing that because I just set that at two months, and then I started into something else. I did that as my devotional time. And so I used that then as a format for my prayer to expand upon it. You know, lead me not into temptation. Where are my temptations? What's going on in my life that's going to bring temptation? Where am I struggling with things right now? You know, where, how do I interact with this? This is what the prayer says. How do I apply that? And so when we're thinking about praying at all times, with all prayers and all supplications, how do we make sure that we don't miss things? We use formats. The Psalms are great for this. The Psalms are great formats for prayer. How many of you actively pray imprecatory prayers? I know one person does. How many of you know what imprecatory prayers are? The Psalms will teach you. God, this person's doing evil. Bring judgment upon them. That's an imprecatory prayer. That's in the book of Psalms. How do we know that that prayer is legitimate? Because David prayed it. God, let judgment fall upon this person. Well, that doesn't feel very nice. You know what? Christianity isn't about being nice. God, let justice fall so that the world can see. Let your enemies fall in a public manner so that everybody's terrified. That's an imprecatory prayer. And you know what? There's a place for that. I wouldn't have known that had I not prayed through the Psalms. Because when I was in Bible school, I read through the Psalms, you know, so it was the third. This is actually something if you want to do your devotions on the book of Psalms. On the third, I would read Psalm 3, 33, 63. 93, 123. And since there's not 153rd, I'd be done. So you read five psalms in a day. And as you're reading through those psalms, I did that for, well, a couple years. 
when I was in Bible school and seminary. And that taught me a lot about prayer. How do we pray with all prayers and supplications? We use formats. These things have been laid down for us so that we then have the freedom to pray. We, we train ourselves in formats like the Acts prayer. You know, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Acts. It's a really good way to focus your prayer life and guides you in your prayers. So when Paul says in all prayers and supplications, how do we know that we're hitting the gambit? How do we know that we're hitting all of them? We use these formats. We pray through them. And as they train us in our prayers, our prayer life expands and it becomes bigger and it becomes stronger. Does that mean that we can pray for anything at any point in time, that there's no illegitimate prayer? Well, no, that's not 100% true either. What are we told in the book of James? You have not because you ask not. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you might spend it upon your pleasures. So is God condemning these people in the book of James? Is God condemning them? Is God going to put his wrath upon them because they asked wrongly? No. You know what God's going to do? He's going to say, no. Oh, okay. Anton and Rachel can ask me for whatever they want. And you know what's the worst that I can, I'm going to do to them? Well, I, I might make them do it. Daddy, get me milk. You, it's on the table. You go get it. That might be the worst. But the second worst is me to say, no. So what's the worst that God's going to do to us? Say, no. So do we have to fear illegitimate prayers? No. If God's not answering our prayers, what does that mean, though? Because we run into this all the time, right? If God's not answering my prayers, does that mean that God doesn't love me? No. Does that mean that God's not hearing me? No. Does that mean that God doesn't answer prayers? No. That might mean, A, God's telling me to wait. <laughs> Janet, you're already ahead of me. Man! No, don't be sorry. I'm glad to see that. Wait. It's not yet. I'm training you. Walk through this. Secondly, not in that way. He might answer it, but not in the way that you want it. Because he might give you the thing you're really looking for. God, I want a Camaro. Well, he might give me a Datsun. I hope not. I'm not that good of a mechanic. <laughs> but what do I want? I need a vehicle to drive around in. He might give me a vehicle to drive, drive around in. So he might answer my prayer in the way that I want, but he's still answering my prayer because he's giving me actually what I need instead of what I want. Because what I want might not be good for me. Think how big my head would be if I pulled into the parking lot with a blue Camaro that I prayed for and God just gave it to me. Like, that would be terrible. I'd have a hard time fitting through the double doors. And no. Wait. Not in that way. No. And sometimes God says no. I'm not going to give that to you. And why does God say no? Because he knows best. Is God going to give us something that's going to harm us? Is God going to give us something that's going to lead us away from him? Is God going to give us something that's going to lead us into deeper unrighteousness? No. God's not going to do that to us. Because what's God's desire for us? Well, we're told that. Romans eight twenty nine. 
For all those whom he foreknew, he destined to become conformed to his image. So if you're a Christian, that means that his goal for you is to conform you to his image. And so if God is saying no, that means that that thing that you're asking for isn't going to conform you to, your, to his image. So he might not give it to you. Because he might be doing bigger things in your life than what you're seeing. You know, it'd be like the, the person that's lifting weights. Sorry, I did a lot of weight. did a lot of weightlifting in high school. You know, if I was lifting weights and I said to the spotter, "Hey, spotter," it was usually Joe Larson. Joe, um, this is just too heavy for me. Can you take some weights off for me? He would say, "No." Well, why? Because you need to get stronger. And so he would force me to lift the heavy weights as long as I could, because the purpose of being in the weight room wasn't to see how many reps I could do; it was to get stronger. And so when God tells me no, is it because he hates me? Did Joe hate me? Well, he, he might have at times, but, you know, that's what happens when you have friends. Um, he didn't hate me. He wasn't always happy with me. But what happens? What happens when you love someone? You want them to grow. How do we grow as Christians? We grow in our depth of our relationship with God. So as I'm praying at all times in the Spirit, I'm bringing all of this to God in prayer, and God says, no. What do I say? I look at that through the helmet of salvation and say, thank you, God. You know best. Does that, and so when anything else comes up, when anything comes up in your life, how do you pray? Pray in whatever way seems fit, trusting that God will answer in the best way possible with all prayers and supplications. Any questions? Because they armor without prayer. It's empty. It's dead. It doesn't do any good. Prayer without the armor? Dangerous. Jim? That's true. And so what, what Jim brought up is that just because God tells me no doesn't mean that my prayer is wrong for everybody else. And so, like, and yeah, or even for a later time. Because I know when I was in Bible school, I prayed that God would provide for me a girlfriend, and he said no. Time and time again, after every time they shut me down. No. Um, but then God said yes. So if that desire is still on you, you know, you still want this thing? Keep praying about it. Why not? What's it going to hurt? All that God can, you know, what's the worst that God's going to do to you? No. Well, God, I want it today again. Not yet. Well, I want more. It's not going to be good for you. But you can pray as long as those desires come up. And if that desire comes up within me, and you know, God provided for me. Does that mean that he's going to provide for everyone? Does that mean he's going to provide Rebecca a wife? No. Rebecca's like, I don't want a wife. <laughs> so, no, that, sorry. It was silly. But just because God answers my prayer doesn't mean, you know, I prayed this way. Does that mean that God's going to answer it if Jim prayed in the exact, exact same way? No, because it's not the words. It's the relationship. How's the best way to build a relationship? Have you guys ever thought about that? Spending time. 
Talking and listening. It's the same thing. If I'm with someone for an extended period of time, I'm probably going to end up talking. I was actually listening to uh, a Navy SEAL discuss this. And he said um, he got to know the other guys in his troop so well. Because they would spend 60 hours a week staring at a wall, waiting for something to come over it. What are they going to do while they're doing that? They're talking. If you spend time with someone, you're going to be talking to them. If you're talking to them, hopefully you're going to be listening to them. And so we spend time with God, speaking with Him and listening to Him in order to build that relationship so that we might be alive, wearing the armor when the attack comes. If I never talk to God... If I never talk to my wife, how good do you think our marriage is going to be? Probably worse than it is now. So, if there aren't any other questions, would you join with me in a word of prayer? Father, thank you for this preposition, or for this present participle, praying. Lord, I pray that we would take you seriously with that. Lord, that we would be praying, that we'd be praying at all times, that we'd be praying in the Spirit. Lord, that we'd be praying for anything and everything that comes to mind that we interact with. Lord, I pray that you would grant us the wisdom and the grace and the love and the fear to pray. Lord, that we would see what it does to us and for us and in us and around us. Lord, that you would build this up through prayer. Protect us as well. Lord, we thank you for the armor. I pray that we would take that seriously. Lord, we would live it out. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.